I just want to show you what I mean. I just want to love like you've never seen. Do you want to live like you used to dream? Then I've got a song for you. It's a new song. You know, the psalmist writes, it says, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, all the world. Sing to the Lord and praise him. Proclaim every day the good news that he has saved us. It's a new song. It's what leads us to worship. It leads us to worship the one and true, amazing, loving God that we serve. You know, it's a new song that moves us forward in a new day. One God, one Savior, one amazing, amazing love, one sacrifice that saved us. It's a new song. It's a song Faith Fellowship sings. We talked about it last week. It defines us. It's deep in our DNA. It's one message that we proclaim, one mission. It's one prayer. And it's one that I believe disrupts us. It disrupts our comfort. You know, comfortable? Don't get comfortable. It's a new song and it changes you. In fact, I believe that song changes everything. You know, God gave Ezekiel a message for God's people, for the children of Israel at the time, I believe, for us today. God's doing a new thing. He says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. God is always working, giving all of us new hearts, new spirit, taking these hard hearts and giving us tender hearts, responsive hearts, hearts that are willing to follow, hearts that are fully devoted, hearts that lead us to worship. As we worship this morning, we're reminded who we are, and more importantly, we're reminded who we belong to. And friends, it's a heart that changes us. It changes how we live. It changes what we value in this world. It changes where we spend our time, our our talents, our our resources. It, It is a heart thing. Comfortable? Don't get comfortable. I mean, I'm going to ask you a question that will make some of you uncomfortable. Where is your heart? Because the answer to that question will determine your values. It will determine your commitment. It will determine your worship. It'll determine what you do with your one and only God-given life. I mean, it determines what you say and what you do. And what you say and what you do, those two things, they ought to sync up. And if they don't, then you lie to yourself. You know, for instance, I have told Cindy many, many times, I love you. Now, I've been married long enough, and actually about day one, I could have told you. I can say I love you all I want, 
But Cindy expects me to back it up by being considerate, by being caring, by helping around the house, buying her peeps when they go on sale, the marshmallow ones. You know, picking up my dirty socks. All right. Any couples identifying with me right now? I mean, guys, we can say I love you all we want. But our spouses, they're waiting for us to back it up with action. What I say and what I do, they should sync up. We say, God, I love you. God, you're first. God, you're my Lord and Savior. You're Lord and Savior of my life. Now, we should confess that. That's a great first step. But I believe God's waiting to see us back it up. And the the question really is, do I back it up or do you back it up? And it presses You know, Jesus one day, he was talking to a crowd, I think a crowd a lot like ours. And they were people who were saying, you know what, God, we love you. You're first. And Jesus, I believe, is trying to clarify things. He's he's challenging them a little bit. He's saying, well, let's test this out a little bit. Let's see if actions are syncing up with your words. And he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here we go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus zeroes in on the heart. It is a heart-piercing statement. Ow, it's uncomfortable. And that leads me, when I read that, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It leads me to a very uncomfortable moment. I'm guessing the crowd that heard that, I'm guessing it got uncomfortably quiet that day. It's heart piercing. It makes me ask another uncomfortable question. I mean, what do you treasure? Because our lives, friends, get wrapped around whatever it is that we treasure. Jesus says all of us will treasure something. In other words, he doesn't say, well, you're going to treasure something or not. He says all of us will treasure something in this life. The question really is, what are we going to treasure? You know, Our treasures, how do you define them? Well, they're the things we assign value to in our lives. They're things that we think about, things that we hold dear. It's the things I guard. It's the things I prize. Our treasures are things that we arrange our life around. We arrange around it so we can hang on to them, so that we can obtain them. Everyone, everyone here has a treasure. It begins at an early age, too. You think about it, you know, a child that has a blanket. There's a point, some of them don't want to give it up, right? But they they treasure it. You know, it's the stuffed animal that it's fallen apart, 
but it's treasured. I think I've shared this before, but about four or five years ago, I was, my office is in the home, and I was working down at my computer. My grandkids were in for the weekend. And so I was downstairs, the three oldest, they're in the room next door playing. And, and two of them come racing into my office. And Isabella was leading the charge, and she come in, and she goes, ta-da! And she was holding a, a little bitty uh, treasure chest. And she hands it to me. She goes, open it, it's for you. And so I'm kind of playing along with them. I go, oh, is it my birthday? Is it Christmas? And she goes, oh, Grandpa, which translated, if you don't know, it means, really? Come on, get serious, Grandpa. So I opened it up, and there was a plastic coin in there. Dason, he grabs the chest, he turns around, he gets, he, ta-da, you know, and I open it up, and there's a snake in there, a plastic snake. He goes, scared you, didn't I, Grandpa? They raced in and out of the room. A few minutes later, they come in, new gifts in hand. And we went through this process, and no kidding, in about a 10-minute period of time, I got plastic bugs, I got Mr. Potato Head's nose, a plastic skeleton, I got a gum wrapper with no gum in it. An empty box one time, just silly stuff. And every time they'd they'd present the gift, very formal presentation, and they're racing in and out, in and out. Ethan, he was about five, maybe six at the time. Ethan's off kind of in the corner watching them. He's not participating, he's just watching. And then I notice he's gone. And a few moments later, he came back. He's carrying a big box, like he was presenting to a king. It was a big deal. He goes, here, Grandpa. And he hands me this large box. Now, I'll be honest, I was expecting something really silly at this point. And so I opened it up. And there's a little bitty, tiny trinket in the bottom. It was a trinket I had got out of a gum machine several months prior. Tiny little figure. It was a little Martian. But this wasn't just any trinket. It was Mookie. Now, the fact we named this should tell you something about it. Ethan prized Mookie. He carried it in his pocket for months. He took it to school. He slept with it. He played with it. He talked to it. I don't think it talked back, but it got lost a few times. He always let me know where he found it, when he found it. He kept me updated on this. It was very interesting. In that moment, the other two grandkids seemed to understand that the stakes just got really high. Isabella's like, Grandpa, that's Mookie. That's Ethan's favorite. Dason's like, yeah, Grandpa. And so I'm looking at this. And I go, oh, Ethan, this is wonderful. Thank you. 
he was beaming. It was one of the moments. I tried to give it back to him. He goes, no, Grandpa. It's really yours. I'm giving him to you. And I said, well, Ethan, would you do me a favor? Would you take care of him for me? And he agreed to take care of him. He'd give me little reports on him. Since then, he has found other treasures. But for a moment, one little boy said, this is the best I've got. It's my treasure. I love it. Grandpa, it's yours. They were down last week. We found Mookie. I'm sitting on my desk. And it just takes me back. Where your treasure is, your heart is. I mean, what do you treasure? Does what you say sync up with what you do in your life? See, it's a heart thing. Don't get comfortable. I mean, here's another question. How do you know what you worship? I mean, if you want to zero in on that, if you want to know the answer, you you push with one word, sacrifice. What we treasure, we sacrifice for. If I treasure having a certain type of body, then I sacrifice for it. I don't eat certain things. I work out. You know, if I treasure a certain level of of achievement in life, then I sacrifice for it. If I treasure having a certain amount of money or a certain security in my life, I will sacrifice for it. Sacrifice helps you understand what it is that you worship. I mean, whatever we worship, we serve. We think about, we work for, we, we uh, pr- pay for it. So, you know, we get it, we dream about it. That which we treasure, we devoted to, regardless of the cost, regardless of the inconvenience or the effort. And you can tell what someone is devoted to. Not by what they say, but their actions. Not by their words, by their actions. We proclaim what we treasure. We proclaim what we worship. We proclaim it by our actions in life. We worship that which we're willing to sacrifice for, to hang on to. You know, we worship that which we're constantly sacrificing for. In our, in our daily lives, we all do it. Sacrifice. It's the language of love. It's what God did. You know, God looked down at this broken world. He looked down at you and me. He says, you know what? I love you. I, I treasure you. I want to have a relationship with you. And it led God to sacrifice his son. You know, Jesus left the comfort of heaven. He lived an uncomfortable life. He died an uncomfortable death. But make, make no mistake about it. God sent his son as a sacrifice for you and me.
sacrifice that said, this is how much I love you. Friends, that sacrifice made it possible for you and me to have a relationship with God. It it breathes life into us. It's life-giving. I mean, that sacrifice made heaven possible, changed our eternities. And so, serious question here. What is it that you sacrifice for? And be honest with yourself. I mean, what is it? Because I have watched people who claim to be Christians saying, I love you, God. You're number one, God. And the truth is, when you look at the life, we're, we're consumed with other things, consumed with other desires, willing to sacrifice everything to, to achieve in life, to succeed. Friends, I have watched people. They neglect their marriages, neglect their kids, even though they say, my family's most important to me. Their life tells another story. I've watched people destroy their health, you know, physically and emotionally. They've just wrecked themselves. I've watched people who said, I love God. I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. And I've watched them neglect their spiritual life. I've even watched people abandon it. And here's the brutal truth. I have watched people place their wife, their husband, their kids, their health, their sanity, their spiritual life. I've watched them place it all on the altar and sacrifice to their one true God, success. I could tell you story after story after story, and honestly, many times they're just sad stories. But people do it. I've watched people worship comfort. See it a lot in this country. You know, I'll tell you, comfort isn't much of a God, by the way. You know, if, if comfort and ease is what we're devoted to, you may not realize it. You may think, well, I'm not sacrificing anything, but, but you are. You do sacrifice because you sacrifice growth in your life. You sacrifice experience. You sacrifice risk and faith and generosity and passion. You place it all on the altar. And the adventure that could have been your life, it's traded. You trade it in for comfort. Want to get by. Want to take it easy. Don't want to be inconvenienced. Don't want to be inconvenienced by people. Church, commitments. Don't want to be inconvenienced by God. At least not any more than we have to be, right? Second Kings. Writer writes, they worshiped worthless idols. So they became what? Worthless themselves. Ooh, that's uncomfortable. Friends, we are all tempted to treasure something besides God. All of us, everyone here, we're tempted to sacrifice for all kinds of things. 
for a relationship, for sex, for our children, for a home, for a car, for our physical appearance. We're willing to sacrifice. Maybe sacrifice for more than one of those things. We have a bunch of altars in our lives. But the Bible says worship God and God only. Treasure God. Treasure God above everything else in life. And so the question is, what do you you bring to God? What do you bring to your Savior? God, here it is. It is the best I have. However much, however small, it's my best. It's all yours. Comfortable? Don't get comfortable. Apostle Paul, he's going to press us here. He is going to push us. He is going to make us all very uncomfortable. As he begins to apply sacrifice to life, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Notice Paul says present, present. I want you to present your bodies. It is a technical term you find in the Old Testament. It's where you place a sacrificial object on the altar. And once you put it on the altar, not yours anymore. Belongs to God, out of your hands. And Paul says, I want you to place it there. I want you to do that with your life. I want you to present yourself as a sacrifice that is living. It's an odd phrase, isn't it? Living sacrifice. Old Testament sacrifice. They would lift sacrifices to God and the sacrifice was dead. It just laid there. You know, can you imagine living sacrifice? It's alive. It's on the altar. It is a living sacrifice. It knows what's coming. It's tempted to get down off the altar. And Paul says, you know what I want you to do? If you're a Christian, I want you to sacrifice your life again and again and again. It's something you do every morning when you get up and you say, okay, God, new day, new way. I place my life on this altar again. I place my will on the altar. I place my struggle with sin on this altar. I place my possessions. I place my desires, my relationships, my work, putting it all on the altar, all this stuff, God. It is not mine anymore. I'll regard my life this day. Living sacrifice. Do you do that? And Paul says, when you do that, this is your worship. It's your spiritual worship. He uses the Greek word latrino. It's translated worship or service in life. And here's the point. There is an intrinsic uh, connection between worship and serving. Between worship and serving. That which we truly worship with our heart 
is that which we serve with all our life. Question. Do you sacrifice for God? What do you sacrifice for God? You know, do, do a little assessment this week. Just go through the areas of your life and go, am I sacrificing? You know, it may be little. Sometimes it is, but it's still sacrifice. Sometimes it's big. You go, man, that, that is really coming with a high cost. But it's for God, for God's glory. And sometimes it's just painful. Sometimes it's just painful. Paul goes on, he says, I'm already being poured out like a sacrifice to God. And the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. Paul is in prison. He's about to be executed. And Paul is talking about what his faith has cost him to this point. You know, all the lashings and the, the times he'd been beaten with rods. He'd been, uh, had rocks thrown at him. He'd been stoned. Been imprisoned numerous times unjustly. Shipwrecked several times. He'd went without. He'd given everything away. And Paul says, my life is a sacrifice. I have been on the altar. I have poured out my sacrifice. I have endured. I have made it. I will have fought the good fight, finished the race. Sacrifice? Language of love. You know, Paul got to the end. He said, you know, I don't, I don't have much left. There's not much in the box. But you get the best I've got. It was a sacrifice. When I read that, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it is, um, it's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? I mean, I pray that in this country we never have to choose between life and our faith. Because that's what Paul had to do. But friends, make no mistake about it. God asks us to lay it all down. Lay it all down, just like Paul did. Lay it all down for his use, for his purpose, for his glory. And that's why we talk often about choose very carefully in this life. Choose very carefully what you put in the box. Choose very carefully what you treasure. See, it's about love. It's about sacrifice. It's about worship. Paul goes on and writes in Ephesians. He says his intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Sometimes when we talk about uh, building, adding on an addition, much like Jeff was talking about earlier, people start thinking structure, steel, bricks, mortar. Friends, it's bigger than that. It's what it represents. You know, the church is not a building. This is merely a place that the church meets. I mean, how great's the church? 
Well, Jesus one day, he was talking to one of the disciples. He's talking to Peter. He says, now I say to you that you're Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. I mean, there is nothing greater in this world than the church. The church is God's vehicle for reaching people. It's God's vehicle for helping people, helping families. There is no greater call than to serve and save and be in God's army. It just isn't. People. People's all that matter. People are the only thing that we get to take into eternity with us. And friends, I don't know about you, but when I look around at this world, how many of you, it's broken. I mean, it's broken. And and culture is spinning. It's spinning out. The government's a mess. And I believe, more than ever, the church is the only hope for this world. We are God's representatives, and we're representatives of Jesus Christ. And I think we realize that here at Faith Fellowship. It's why we exist. It's why we worship. It's why we serve. It's why we give. It's why we take risks. It's why we sacrifice. You know, someone asked me a couple weeks ago, they go, is the one campaign about raising money? I said, absolutely. I said, but it's more than that. It's about sacrifice. You know, in a couple weeks, we're going to ask that people give sacrificially, that we make commitments that are sacrificial commitments. And I'd ask you just to pray about that. You know, as you're leaving today, ushers are going to have commitment cards. Take one, read through it. Uh, If you didn't get brochure, read through that. But I'm just asking you to have a conversation with God. Ask God what a sacrificial gift means in your life. Because what's a sacrifice for me, or we could go around, we're all in different places. You know, it's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. You know, sit down as a family. I'd encourage you. Talk about it. And in a couple weeks, November 24th, we'll bring our gifts, we'll bring our commitments, lay them down before God for one purpose, add kids space. It's not about the building, it's about the kids. It's about families. It's about those that aren't even here, but they'll come through the door. You know, when it comes to giving, there, there are really two ways you can approach this. You, you can give based on reason, or you can give based on revelation. When you give based on reason, it goes something like this. What can I afford? What's the least I can do and still be okay? I'll give, but I'm going to play it safe. And there's one problem with that. It doesn't take faith to do that. None. And it doesn't really cost, and it's definitely not about sacrifice. Or you can give by revelation, and that's a basis for biblical giving. You know, it's when you go to God and you just say, you know what, God, 
I am all yours. I understand everything I got came from you. My talents, my opportunities, my treasures. God, it's all yours. I want to be used by you. I want to make an eternal difference in this world. God, what do you want to do in and through me? And there's something I figured out that God's resources never exhausted. But God, what is it? And when you talk to God, when you pray about that and ask God what it means to give a sacrificial gift, when you take those steps, you start thinking different. You find you do a shift. And the shift takes you from, God, what's the least I can do and be okay to God, what's the most I can do? And when you make that transition, changes everything. Suddenly, giving becomes worship. Isabella, my uh, granddaughter, she was down about a month ago. They come down about once a month, but she was down about a month ago. She saw the uh, one campaign stuff on Cindy's desk, and so I guess her and Cindy got talking about it. She said, what's this all about? And so Cindy was telling her we're trying to raise money to put a kid's edition on, and and she goes, I want to help. So before she came back, they were here last weekend, she, uh, she was talking to her mom, and she said she wanted to know what a tithe would be on that she had $100, and what would it be? And she said, Grandma told me you should always tithe. And, you know, they had this conversation. And so she had accumulated $100. It was her birthday. She just turned 11. And she uh, talked to her mom, and mom said, it'd be $10. Now, here's the part I love. This was her response. Well, that's not very much. Now, I understand, um, this is through the grapevine, but I understand she took her gift card from Amazon and turned it into cash to give to the project. Now, I don't know how much it is, but I'm interested to see. But here's the deal, and what I want us to see is the heart. Oh, God only wants that much? It was an attitude, all heart. I love the faith and passion of children. Because for them, it is so simple. It is so clear. And they're okay with following their heart. They're okay with that. From time to time, people catch me, especially after I talk about sacrifice. And they'll go, how do you know if you're sacrificing? Always have the same answer. I have for 30 years. When it's a sacrifice, you won't have to ask the question. You won't. Sacrificial giving, friends, it's possible when you get the perspective, when you realize this life is fleeting. The only thing that lasts is what we do for eternity. It's the only thing. 
when the dust settles, when it all rots, when it all rusts, when we give our last breath, the only thing that's going to matter is the people we take to heaven with us. And what happens when you're in a relationship with God? As your relationship deepens, your perspective concerning God changes. It just does. And when that happens, it changes everything. I mean, I find I just don't play it safe anymore. I'm willing to take bold steps. And it affects you when you give. In fact, sacrifice at some point becomes the only option. The only option. I'm going to invite the the band to come back up and lead us in worship. A couple couple things. uh, Remind you, after uh, we worship, about a five-minute break. Those that are coming back for Q&A, we'll we'll start back up. If you're not able to come today, uh, we'll be doing the same thing next week. And uh, there'll be people down front right after the service to pray with you if you've got a need in, in your life. But uh, continue to lift this church up in your prayers and uh, allow God to work in and through you. Uh, ushers will be at the back uh, with commitment cards. And uh, just take those home. There's some good information, just kind of a process to go through over the next few weeks. But let's stand and uh, have a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you today. God, I lay faith fellowship on that altar. God, I pray that we'd be that living sacrifice. God, I pray all the days of this church's life that it's what God has started. It has been in our heart each and every step. God, we lay it all before you. God, I pray that um, when people talk about this church, that it's about the heart we have for people. Heart we have for people that uh, maybe are a long way from you. Maybe just starting in their walk. Maybe they're seasoned, Lord, and they're mature that when people talk, they say they have a heart. They don't care what, where you're at, where you come from. God, I pray you continue to bless our ministries, continue to bless this church. God, may we always be pleasing with all we say and do. And God's people said, amen. Let's worship.